When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today, we tell you another OG, old-school story on the podcast and stay tuned at the end of today's show for more real life, real crime announcements. And I just want to give a quick shout out to all our subscribers, Patreon and convicts and subscribers through Apple. Love and appreciate each and every one of y'all and to all you listeners and especially all you new lifers out there. Thank you for keeping us at the top of the charts. So let's get started. I'm going to name today's episode in the beginning. So I'm going to take you way back to end of May 2000, I think it was. Um, I had transferred from the Southeastern Louisiana University Police Department to 
the Levin Sabera Sheriff's Office. And I'd been there probably a week or so. And, and the hiring process, y'all, you know, I had to go through this psych uh, examination and drug screen and lot of texture tests and all that stuff and got hired on and I had to do a little ride along if you will uh, for just like three nights with, with somebody uh, another deputy um, I think one day so maybe four days ride along total and before they gave me my own blue and white which is affectionate term we call it for our units and all my equipment and my firearm and all that and uh, on this date, I was about to go 10-8 or on duty for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office for the first time at 6 p.m. that night. Now, let me back up for a second. The One of the things I had to do, um, one of the final things I had to do before they turned me loose on the road was I had to qualify with my duty weapon, okay? And I was so new to the sheriff's office, I had just gotten hired that I was still actually living in Tangipahoa Parish and not Livingston Parish. And I'm talking about going to work for Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. So on the same day that they were turning me loose on my own on duty that night at 6 p.m., I had to go to the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office uh, training center or the firing range and qualify for my weapon. Now, Sheriff Willie Graves was big, big on um, being able to shoot well. Okay, he was a firearms um, ex, an old school firearms instructor, if you will. And everybody else, all the departments in Louisiana, you have to qualify with your duty weapon one time a year. It's called the post course, and I'll explain that in a minute. Well, Sheriff Graves made you qualify two times a year and, and you had to shoot a minimum score or they took your weapon away from you. So I was to report to the range that day, even though I was going on duty that night. And I think I had to be there for like noon and I get there and the range or the training center is next to the waste dump um, off of highway 190 in Livingston parish. And you pull up and it's this big, long, uh, I guess the trailers, but, um, but it looks like metal buildings and it's a big gravel parking lot. And I pull up and it is slap ass full of units, okay? Unmarked units, marked units, et cetera. So what it was is this was one of the three days they were doing that week for qualifications for everybody in the department. Even the jail people who worked extra duty shifts had to qualify with their weapon. So I get there, and I don't know anybody, all right? And I haven't fired my weapon since the academy, like the year before. In the post course, it's really involved. You have to um, you go to the 25-yard line first, and you shoot, and then you 18 rounds, and then you move forward, et cetera. Uh, it's a total of 60 rounds. All together, and in the high score you can shoot is a one twenty, and the lowest score you can shoot to qualify, I think, it was is like a ninety eight. So um, anyway, I woke up. I don't know anybody. There's like 50, 60 more people out there, and they all grew up together, or they're all from Livingston Parish, and 
you know, fire, there's a bunch of firearms instructors who are in their um, woolly blue color uh, rain shirts and BDUs, you know, and fire, firearms instructors generally are assholes. Uh, and I didn't know any of them at, at this time. I mean, I didn't know anybody there, y'all. I reported and I said, hey, I'm here to qualify. And they said, go out there and get you a target and staple it up and write your name on it and your uh, weapon classification on top of it, et cetera. And so I'll go out there and these people are all bullshitting with each other and staring at me and who's this new guy. Um, I mean, maybe I had met a couple of them in passing in, in the past three or four days that I've been riding, but I didn't know anybody. Right. And it's hot. Let me tell you this. It's the end of May. Uh, past Labor Day, and it was hotter than fuck. I mean, like, I don't know, 95 degrees plus the humidity. And so I'm out there. I'm nervous. I mean, every time I qualified, I'd get nervous, even though I was a great shot later on. The uh, Again, I hadn't fired this post-course, and there's a lot of steps to it, and and – Hey, it's a lot of pressure. You don't qualify. You don't. You don't go ten eight, right? I mean, they take your weapon from you. So I get out there, and you walk up past the metal buildings, this gravel parking lot, and then you come onto the cement, and it's a big, long, covered overhang. And to the left is the ammunition room, uh, and the the targets or these probably. I don't know, five and a half, six feet tall, and there it's a a wooden frame and you stapled your target to the wooden frame. Now the targets or it's a silhouette of it, I guess, you know, a human with the, with the head and the shoulders and it comes all the way down to, to the midsection and inside the target, it's dark green everywhere the body is. And inside that target is a ring. And um, how they scored it was if you hit inside the ring, you got two points for each round that hit. And if you hit anywhere in the green, you got one point. If you hit anywhere outside of that, you got no points, okay? So they call for, you know, everybody to get on the firing line. And there's 25 spots on the firing line, y'all. And when you walk down the firing line, there's a cement path down the middle. And there's, uh, at the 25-yard line, there's a pad that runs to the left and a pad that runs to the right. And, you know, so the fire line is divided and spread out. And on that pad, that uh, it's cement, okay, and it's grass it, until the next firing position, which I think was like the 12 or 15-yard line, and it had another cement thing. As you move forward, it the course was ro- broken up in different firing sections, okay, and you had to move forward. But at the, at the very end, the 25 yards away, is the big back berm um, where you mounted your targets. So they call, they said, bring your targets down the line. And so I went down and I was like the 17th place, the spot, it was an open spot. I had to go down there and stand your target up in this little metal thing. Uh, it's a metal thing that's on an air system where they, your target, when you start, they turn it away from you. And it makes that sound, right? So... You get on the 25-yard line, and they have a barricade. Now, the barricade really is just a metal pole that comes up with this wooden thing, probably probably 12 inches wide that runs 
taller than you. And you, of course, you have to have on um, shooting glasses and earmuffs, right? So you get out in the line. It's hotter than fuck. Sun's beating down. And I'm on my position. I already hung my target. And I'm waiting, right? So I'm standing behind a barricade. Now, the first stage of the post-certification course, you you have to, you stand back behind your barricade, your hand, uh, what they call the interview position, your hands together, kind of almost steepled in front of you, and one foot in front of the other, with the, that's the bladed position, and they come out on the firing line, and they say, um, firing line ready on the right, it's on the big loudspeaker. Firing line, and so you, you, you have... The firearms instructors are standing behind you all spread down the line. Bear safety is a big, big fucking deal, okay? So they say, firing line ready on your right, firing line, and they wave, yeah. Firing line ready on your left, they wave, yeah. And they say, all right, shooters assume the position, and the line is hot. Boom, into the target's turn. Now, from the 25-yard line, when the target turns, you draw your weapon, you move forward to the barricade, and you give loud verbal commands. Sheriff's office, sheriff's office, don't move. Uh, um, and then you have to shoot from that position. You have to shoot a total of 18 rounds, but you have to shoot six to the right side of the barricade standing, right? So you lean around, you know, like in case using it as cover. You lean around, you're looking at your target 25 yards. You have to shoot six rounds standing, then – you drop down to your knee, same side of barricade. You shoot six rounds kneeling, and then you then you have to stand up and shoot six rounds to the left side of the barricade or offhand, right, for a total of 18 rounds. Now, during that position, you have to have one mandatory relay, okay? Your, your weapon, we were shooting Berettas, the uh, 96 FSs, and your weapon held – um, 16 rounds plus one in the chamber. So you couldn't get 18 rounds anyway. You had to do a mandatory reload, and they gave you 30 seconds to complete this task. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it is a eternity. You know, you really could take your time and, and concentrate on what they call the front sight picture, lining your, your target up and all that. So anyway, they... They give the command. Firing line's hot. Boom. They turn the target. I draw my weapon. Now heart's pounding in my chest, right? Go offside barricade. Sheriff's office, sheriff's office, don't move. Boom, 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 boom. I realize I'm shooting fast, but it's okay. My target's good. I know, I know I'm a good shot. Boom. I do my six. I drop down to my knee. Boom, 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 boom. Six more. And while I, on on the knee position, I press my magazine release, let it drop to the ground without looking at it. Pull another one out of my duty belt, which you know you had on y'all with your magazine or your extra. Most people call it clips, but they're called magazines. But were to my, um, if I'm looking down, it would be to the left of my front right pocket. So I pull out another magazine, slam it in. Now, when you do that, you never take your weapon off the target. So it, it simulate if you're in a fight, a gunfight, you never want to take you, your 
weapon sight off the target. So I drop the magazine, reach down without looking, slam another one home, and I stand up and go for my six offhand or to the left side of barricade, right? And I'm shooting one, two, three, four, five, six. But then, I, and so I would have been complete, but I'm like, fuck. I don't think I shot enough. I think I think I miscounted, right? Because I was so excited and nervous and sweating and hot and hearts pounding, and I wasn't really used to shooting the post course at the time. But the so I, I, I I'm like mm, I think I need I need miscounted. I think I need to shoot one more. So I shot one more time, right? And I stand up, holster my weapon, and step to the back of the firing line. People are still firing. I mean, I, I got done in like probably, oh, shit, 20 seconds. And and so I stepped back to the end of the firing line, and they wait till everybody gets done firing. And they say, you know, the firing line safe on the left, firing line safe on the right. All right, shooters, pick up your uh, move forward, pick up your magazine, and reload, okay? Meanwhile, when they do that, all the fire farms instructors go down to the targets and they start, they score the first 16 shots. Now they're not really scoring it per se for the total score. What they were looking for is to, to, if you have any that are outside the green, they mark those and uh, then they, they take a black mark slide and over every hole that you have inside the green, they put a black line over it. So they know, you know, they count your, your total shots and, and they know what, what you have um, at the end. The next time they score will be at the end of the, the 60 rounds and the other 42 rounds you're about to shoot. So they go down there and they're counting it and they're going down the line and they're counting each one. They're doing the little marks and they get to mine and the guy's going through it. And I see him counting and he looks and – I see him count again, and he called another firearm instructor. I'm like, fuck. And, and then, I mean, not only do I have all these people I don't know on the firing line with me, I got all these people behind me watching me that are waiting for their turn to go. And they call a third firearms instructor over to my target, and they count it, and they say, they read the name, and they say, Overton. Who the fuck is Overton? Overton. And I, I said, it's me. Get down here. And I ran, had to run down there in front of all those people. And I got in front of my target and they said, you shot too many times. You shot 17 times. Get this target, get off my firing range and go see Mike Ziegler in the office. Now, y'all, Mike Ziegler, he's deceased. He's an OG badass dude. Okay. And he, I mean, he was over the firing range and training center at that time. And he's just, one of the best guys in the world, but I didn't know him. I mean, I'd get to know him in the years to come. So I was like, I was about to cry. And, and I mean, all these people are staring at me and, you know, I've made an ass of myself. I shot one too many times. I'm like, fuck, all my shit was in the green, but it, I had one too many rounds. I'm just miscounted. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm sick to my stomach. I have to carry this target off the range I had to go to Mike's office and walk in, and he said, "He said, can I help you?" I said, "Yeah, the, I shot one too many times, and they told me to come see." You. He said, uh, "Give me your, 
give me your weapon. So I unholster my weapon, and he said, safe, and uh, I dropped the magazine. I cleared it for him. I gave it to him. He said, you can go home. And I was like, well, I'm supposed to go tonight, tonight. For the first time, he said, "You can go home. You don't. It, you don't go ten eight, uh, shooting too many times on my range." I was like, "Fuck!" And now they, I was still living. I told you, I think in Tangipahoa Parish. I mean, I was so new, I hadn't even got a place to live in some parish yet, not being from here and all that. And but I had just picked up my unit that morning before. I forgot to tell you that that morning. Before I went to the range, I just got my unit. Boy, I was so proud of it. I was so ready to go 10-8 or on duty by myself. And um, he, oh, Mike said, he said, you have a ride home? I said, no, all I got is my unit. He said, well, you take your unit to the, you know, home, and, and you got to see the sheriff tomorrow. I was like, I mean, I was sick, y'all. I almost cried. So it took me about 40 minutes to get from the range all the way into Tangible Parish to Independence where I was living and I had a one bedroom apartment. I was a single dad at the time. But, you know, I was split custody with my now ex wife. And I was absolutely ill. Okay, driving back to the place and, you know, probably cried like a little bitch and and I was just sick about it. I had been so excited about going today on my own own that night and all that and we didn't have cell phones y'all uh so it takes about 40 minutes to get back to um independence where my apartment was i get out and i'm walking in my apartment and i hear the phone ring now we had landlines back then right and so i I answer the phone and not many people had that number. And I answered the phone, and it was Mike Ziegler from the range. He said, Woody, I said, yes, sir. He says, Mike, I said, yes, sir. He said, come back to the range. I need to see you. I said, okay. So now I'm nervous. I'm thinking they're going to take the car. They're going to give me a ride home. I'm not going to get the job or whatever. I drive almost another hour back to the range, and I pull up. There, People are still qualifying the line. I can hear all the shooting going on. But Mike's office, when you pull up, Mike's office was the first door on your right. You go up the little staircase and you go through the door. There was an office to the left, the assistant range commander, and Mike's was to the right. That's where I turned in my weapon. And I walk in, and he said, he said, uh, I'm going to give you your, your duty weapon back. He said, I called the sheriff, being Sheriff Grace. He said, I called the sheriff and told him you shot too many times. And he said, He's going to give you another chance. You come back tomorrow and, and re-qualify or, or attempt to requalify with the next group. He said, but take your weapon and you go 10-8 tonight like you're supposed to. They need you on the street. I was like, oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astapro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. 
and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use AstroPro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to AstroProAllergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. AstroPro and go. Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. All right. So then um, I left there and I had to drive back to Independence to get ready to go 10 8. Now, I've had no sleep. Uh, you know, I was nervous about that whole day to begin with and I was excited about getting my unit and all that stuff, my, my police car. So I drove back to Independence, and I get dressed. I put on my uniform. We went 10-8. I went about 5.45 on the radio, right? And it, it was about that time. I so said, I get back there, and I take a shower. I put on my uniform. Let me tell you about that. The So the uniform was like polyester on top, a, a, a grayish blue and you had to put your badge on and your LPS, so lapels on your collar. And um, then you tuck that into your pants, and they were black with like a, that same color as the top shirts, stripes down the pants. And then, had, uh, oh, before you put on the shirt, I had on an undershirt, and you had to put it on your heavy-ass vest. And the vest was hot as fuck, too, but it saves lives, right? And you, you know, put that on, then you put your um, – what they call your retainer belt on, on your pants. And then your, your gun belt goes on top of that. And on the gun belt, you've got the two magazines in the front, like I told you about on the, I'm touching them with my front right hand 
the front left hand is where your freeze plus P is. In the back of there, on, on the back side, I had two pairs of handcuffs. Uh, what else? Oh, my radio was attached to it, and you had the shoulder mic that attached to like a lapel collar on, on your shoulder. And oh, your you had your ASP or your expandable baton on the uh, on the right hand side behind my pistol, which which was on my right hand side. There's a reason I'm telling you all this. So. By the time I get back and shower and get dressed and my boots were shined and I'm, you know, hey, I'm ready to go. I'm so thankful that, I, you know, the sheriff didn't fire me or whatever, right? So I call 10-8 and I said uh, 361-259. 361-1, y'all, was my unit number and my call sign. And I said 361-259. They said, go ahead, 61. And I said, I'm 10-8. Good evening. And they um, – I said, good evening. You know, and, and Danny Gomez was my shift supervisor, and I had talked to him that day. He says, you're going to be 10-8 on the east side of the parish. And for all you new listeners that hadn't heard the old stories, Livingston Parish was divided into two sides for law enforcement reasons geographically. You had the west side, which is um, – like Walker and Denham Springs, the more populated side. And then you had the east side, which was huge. And and, and um, from basically the town of Livingston or maybe like Satsuma or Coyell all the way to the Tantrio Parish line past Albany. So I'm coming back into the parish and I'm 10 8 and I'm rolling through the town of Albany. And I'll never forget this. And I hear, um, we had two different TAC radios. TAC one was for, for the west side, and TAC two was for the east side, and I'm on TAC two. And I hear somebody say, AP4259, I'm out with um, white male subject, check check 17Fs or warrants on this, and they gave the guy's name. I'm not going to say it. And we had a long, would end up having a long history with this family. So... And I heard he said that like M and J's or something at the store, and I'm like, that's a store right up here in Albany. I said, I'm gonna slide by and see what I can see. And I see, I'm pulling up uh, um, on Highway 43, and I see the Albany Town Unit Police, Albany Police Department Town Unit, and I see it. I wouldn't call him an elderly gentleman. He probably wasn't even my age that I am now, but I see this guy. He's about six feet tall, gray hair, glasses, and he's in an Albany town uniform. And I see him um, almost underneath the overhang of the store talking to this white male who's a, who's a younger guy, and he's all swole up. He had a wife beater shirt on. And I see him talking to him. And said, and so I got just called. I said, uh, 361 259, I'm going to be out with AP4. And I get out. It turns out the officer's name was Leon Winstead. Now, y'all have heard me. Talk about Leon and on um, duty on the fourth, and which is the east side, and a whole bunch of episodes. And Leon and I would end up being best friends, and I had the privilege of being the best man in his wedding uh, to Miss Flo, who's a beautiful sweetheart. And later on, y'all, and um, unfortunately, when COVID happened, Leon passed with complications of COVID. And that was the first eulogy I ever gave. But back to that day, I get out and Leon's 
talking to this guy and the guy's not mouthing off. Fuck you. Fuck you. And, uh, they call back, he had called to check 17 else or warrants and they call back and said, AP four, you are you 10, 12, which means can the bad guy hear you? And he said, he said, go ahead. And they call back and said, yeah, he's got a warrant for whatever. And as soon as they did that, do you try to take off? Leon jumped on him and it was fist fight was on. And so I dove in with him and we were starting to swing. Well, this guy's brother was standing there and his whole fucking family was standing there and the brother ended up jumping in. It was just a big fucking melee and we called for backup and everything, but we're fist fighting on the ground. First time I ever met him rolling in the dirt and, uh, another unit showed up and, and jumped in or, or I think Jimmy Jones from who was the chief of Springfield and another backup Albany unit showed up and Long story short, um, we sprayed them and we fought them and we got them handcuffed and put both of the brothers under arrest. And we're getting up and the family members had showed up and they had this big ass, just to tell you how long ago it was, big ass camcorder on their shoulder that ran off like a VHS tape. Like it looks like, you know, what TV cameras would look like nowadays. And they were filming and they were cussing us the whole time, blah, 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 blah whatever so oh it started raining too and the fucking bottom fell out and you know like one of those south louisiana afternoon thunderstorms and just rained for like 15 minutes just enough to get you wet and make it, it more humid than it already is but long story short we got them put the uh, liam got them put in the in ap units and they took them to jail what have you right so um now wet, I'm sweaty, and been in my first fight in the first ten minutes on duty, and the freeze and all that. So, but I go ten eight. I said three six one two five nine ten eight back in service, and they said three six one. You've got a animal complaint and on an address, and they gave me and y'all. I'm not gonna say the lady's name because I don't know if she's alive or, or anything, and you'll understand why in a minute. She said you have an animal complaint. Uh, South on 22, South of Killian, um, at such and such house. We'll call it Miss Mary. At Miss Mary's house. And I said 10-4. Now, we didn't have computers, y'all, in the car or anything. We didn't have GPSs. This is how long ago it was. The um, I had a map book. It was an orange map book. And you, had the, you could look up the street and look up addresses and by turning the pages. You look up an index and you turn the pages. But I, I kind of – I mean – I knew where that section of Highway 22 was. I said, 10-4, I'll be on route. And um, as soon as I did that, the other unit that was 10-8 with me or on duty with me on that side of the parish, uh, he had been running, was John T. Wilkerson. He had been running, catching calls anyway. And, and John T. and I went to the academy together, and he had worked for the Springfield police department the town of before and he had just transferred to livingston like i had but the, he, he had the advantage because he was from there right and he knew all these streets knew all these people and he had been working as assistant chief for springfield and they would always the town units would always back us up especially on the east side because it was so spread out most time that's the closest guy that you had to back you up was a town unit and um I don't know where he was. He was somewhere north of me. But when he heard where I was going, he said, 339, 361. I said, go ahead. He said, 103M. 
and it's okay ten four, which meant y'all that as police jargon for the person that you're going to be dealing with is a mental case, right? Uh, uh, has history of just being crazy. So it takes me about 15, 20 minutes. I'm driving down. Uh, um, it's really rural and, and in, in the stretch. And, uh, um, and I call back and says, 259, what's the nature of the animal complaint? And they said, um, <laughs> you'll see when you get there. And I was like, great. So anyway, I, Pulling this driveway, I saw I saw the numbers on the mailbox. Pulling this like this long driveway, and now this is there's no neighbors. There's a, like a horse pasture to the right. It's a pretty big piece of property, and yet the driveway was maybe a hundred yards long. You know, pulling up there's big trees in the yard. Um, anyway, so I pull up directly in front of where the door would be, and there was a truck parked to my left, but not. Just a little, if you're facing the door, I'd be a little bit to the left. And I call in, I said, 259, I'm 1097, meaning on location, right? So when you do that, they start your time. See, when they, they get a call, they get the time, the call that uh, was called in. They, then you call in when you're, you're on location, then they start your clock, right? And then when you end up the call, they give you a file number. And they give you your times, what time you arrived, what time you left. So, and that all goes in your report. So, anyway, I pull up and I'm going to get out of my car. And um, I didn't see anyone, I didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, the front door f- just flew open. It's like a, a, a log home, you know, the, the, um, it's not a mobile home, but like, like a log cabin type home, single story. But the porch was raised. Front door flies open. That's maybe, maybe thirty yards away from me. And the my car, my unit was parked. I, when I got out, of my, I was getting out of the car, and 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 the front door flew open. The I was still standing in the doorway of my car. Right, I hadn't even cleared it, but the door f- flies open, and this little five foot one, hundred pounds soaking wet lady. I won't call her no lady, but she had gray hair. And she probably, again, this is my age now, but she comes running out, and guess what? She's got a shotgun, and she's screaming and hollering, motherfucker, I don't know who you are, motherfucker. And I'm like, holy fuck. So I draw my weapon, and I crouch down behind my door, and I said, drop the gun, drop the gun. And and she's like, fuck you. And she's waving it around. She's not, like, aiming it at me, but she's waving around back and forth, like, in front of you, and said, I hit my shoulder, Mike. I said, I said, gun, gun. She's got a gun. And then they say, uh, Tammy Forbes was a dispatcher, and she's deceased now. God rest her soul, Tammy. She was one of the best. And I said, I said, gun, gun. And then I'm telling her, the, you know, drop, drop the shotgun. She said, fuck you. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. I'm like, I'm a lady, drop the gun. I said, you know, I said, I'm going to have to shoot you. I said, drop the fucking gun. And so Tammy calls out when I said, had said gun, she called out and said, all units, uh, 1033, the net 361 is at basically we'll say Miss Mary's house, Miss Mary's house. And she's got a shotgun. And so that means nobody can talk, right? Cause, and and because this 
the net and the radio is now shut down because uh, in case I have to scream something in an emergency, you don't want other people, you know, that bullshitting about this or that or calling something in. So everybody else has to swap to a different net now. But everybody that heard me say gun uh, is is listening in. And then the 330 John T did say uh, 39s in route. You know, I had some other town units, et cetera, saying they were in route. So I'm the, back to the situation. Now I'm down on a knee. I'm in the crack in the V of my door, and I got my hands pointed out, y'all. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to squeeze the trigger on this bitch, and and I'm like, put the fucking gun down. She said, fuck you. I don't know who you are. Get the fuck off my property. And and I'm like, I'm like, if you point that shotgun at me, I sort of swear to God, I'm gonna blow your fucking brains out. And so it's going. Now I've been a cop. And I've been post certified for like a year and a half, and this is the first time I had uh, had to draw my weapon on someone who was holding a weapon. And I, y'all I really thought I was gonna have to shoot her. And then I heard the phone ringing inside our house, and she turned around. She went back inside, and Tammy came on. And she said, "She said three six one. We're trying to make contact with her again now, with Miss Mary again now." And so she goes back inside. And I'm like, I call Anna. Says she she just went back in residence with the shotgun. She went back in residence with the shotgun and said, "We're Tammy said we're getting, getting her on the phone now." And then I could hear, you know, her hollering inside or whatever. And then she came back to the door, and as, as she was coming out of the door, Tammy said, three six to one. She's coming back outside. She says she's putting up the shotgun. And now I didn't know." This lady was like the most frequent flyer, crazy woman on that side of the parish, right? I mean, this is my first night on duty by myself. And so, look, shit, I still got my pistol drawn. She comes outside, and she said, I, I put my fucking shotgun up. And she's coming down the steps. I said, you should keep your hands up where I can see you. I said, stop right there. She said, that's my motherfucking place. You're here to help me with Buttercup, and that's my place. Da, da, da. I said, keep your hands up. I said, now turn around slowly so I can see that you don't have any weapons. And y'all, she had on like short shorts and you, you would call it a, a wife beater shirt, but just sleeveless tank top, we'll call that. And she turned around. I could see that she didn't have any weapons. And then I said, come on, come forward to the hood of my car. She's like, that's my fucking house. I told you I put the gun up, blah, blah, blah. And so I came around the door. I still have my weapon on her. And I said, put your hands on, on the hood of the car. And she's like, I'm not putting my, I said, put your hands on the hood of the car. She For officer safety, she put them on there. And I pat first real quick. She's screaming and cursing and calling me everything but a child of God. And I holster my weapon. And I, I call her and I said, 259 Three six one code four ten sixty four net, and I, so they did it right. And I mean, I they called everybody else off basically, and I'm trying to defuse the situation. And I said, Miss Mary, that's your name, right? She said, Yes, yeah, my main my fucking name. And, uh, she had a mouth like a sailor. Oh, you think I can cuss? And I'm looking at her face to face. I said, Listen, we got off on the wrong foot. I said, I don't know you. She said, you damn right you don't know me, and I don't know you. I know every deputy works out here, and I know Willie Gray's the sheriff, and I know uh, uh, Kearney Foster. I know every one of them sons of bitches, and you wasn't one of them, and I think you impersonating, but they told me you were a new hire. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. 
And you have to understand, you came out with a shotgun, you're waving around. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what what's happening. She said, I don't give a fuck about that. I need you to help me with Buttercup. I said, okay. And and so I got out my little notepad and I said, and what's your name? And she said, you know my name. I said, just please give me your full name. It's for, the, for your report. She said, I don't want the report right now. You got me Buttercup. I said, man, I got to take my report. So she got the full na- name. I got her phone number. Or I had the address. And I said, okay, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. She said, these motherfuckers been fucking with Buttercup. And I said, who is Buttercup? And she said, Buttercup's my horse in the field over there. And I said, okay, what are they doing? She said, they're coming to my property and they're uh, assaulting Buttercup. And I said, I said, okay. She said, Cole, you come, come with me now and I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm like, fuck. And it's hot, y'all. And my heart had been racing and I thought I was going to get shot. And, you know, I'd already been in a fight with Leon with those brothers and everything. And here I am, first first time 10-8 by myself. And I'm, I'm now I'm trying to placate the lady because I almost killed her. She said, come on, walk with me. And so we walked across her long yard, and it really wasn't well kept. But we get to the horse pasture, and there's a big gate. And she said, you shut the gate behind you. And she opened and kicked it open, and I shut it behind me. And I'm looking at this field. It's probably like a three-acre field, y'all. And and there's two horses. One was brown, and one was like a golden color to her left in this field. Now, this field, the grass was like, I guess like knee high and you know, that tall, um, it's not, not like thick grass, but uh, like the weed grass that comes up and has the stuff on the top of it with the little black stuff that comes off. And I said, okay, but what's the deal? She said, what are you going to show me? She said, we got to go across the field. And she pointed to the other side. I'm like, fuck, it's hot. And it had rained earlier and it's steamy and I'm sweating and, you know, Still all jacked up uh, from drawing down on this lady and everything. She's just cussing. These motherfuckers keep coming in and messing with my animals and da 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 da. I'm gonna bring you over here to and show you where they're coming in and and you're gonna help me with Buttercup and you're gonna look at Buttercup. I said, okay, that's fine. Let's go see. So we walk across this now wet grass and said so the bottom of my pants are you know thigh high or soaked because uh, the grass is wet. Get across the other side. There's another gate on the other side. She said, this is where they're coming in at. This is where they're coming in at. You, uh, I want you to see. Well, y'all, I'm looking down. I'm looking at the gate, and the grass is wet, and I'm looking outside the gate, and I don't see shit. And I'm like, Miss Mary, I'm, what am I looking at? She said, that's where they come out. You can see the trail. They've been coming in here every night. I said, I don't see anything. She said, you just don't want to help me. I said, okay, Miss Mary. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at your grass. Okay, the, the what's the deal? They're, you say they're coming in here, and tell me what the deal is. She said, I'm gonna show you the deal. She said, Come on, and, and we had, I proceeded to follow her across the field to where the two horses were. Now there was there's the horses were standing over by like a feed trough thing and a water trough thing, and the the lighter color brown, almost a golden color one. She said, this is Buttercup. This is Buttercup. She said, my baby Buttercup. And and she's, you know, where she's petting and rubbing on it. And I'm behind her. And I got, got up to to her. And I, I said, okay, what's the deal? I'm looking at it. It looks like a fucking regular horse to me, right? She said, they've been coming in here and raping Buttercup. I'm like, what? 
She said, they've been raping Buttercup. You saw where they've been coming in the gate and they raped her. I'm like, how do you know Buttercup's been raped? She said, I'm going to show you. And she's patting Buttercup now on the back and she grabbed Buttercup's tail and she lifted it out of the way. And, you know, fuck, I'm not a veterinarian, right? She said, look at it. Look at her vagina. Look at her vagina. You could see they they raped her and they they raped her and, and they came in her. I was like, oh, my God. Now, by this time, y'all, John T. had showed up. I forgot to tell you that. And he he's walking up across the field and I waved him over. And he's like, he's shaking her head. She's she's madder than a fucking wet hen. And she's got the tail lifted aside. She's trying to show me this horse's rear end, which I wouldn't know a vagina from an asshole on a horse, right? And he walks up and he, and he said, hey, Miss Mary. And she said, John T., they've been back, and, they, and they've, been, they've been raping Buttercup. He said, yes, ma'am, I, I understand. And, and she's, she said, you see it? And, and looking at me, and I was like, I don't really know what I'm looking at. And she said, what are you going to do about it? She said, you need to get that semen out of Buttercup and, and take it and have it, the blood samples and DNA or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? And she said, get Get that semen out of her and collect it as evidence. I said, uh, a lot of things are going to happen today, Miss Mary, but that ain't going to be one of them. She said, why? You don't want to do your fucking job. I said, this is not my job to collect semen out of Buttercup. I said, but wait, wait. And then y'all realize she's about to go off again. And, and John T. standing there. He's trying not to laugh. He's standing behind her back. And I said, okay, Miss Mary, this is what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to write everything up in a report. I'm going to give you a file number, and I'm going to send the report to the detectives, and we're going to get a veterinary detective specialist who who is a professional at collecting semen out of horses that have been raped, and we're going to get them in touch with you. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash R-L-R-C. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. She said, well, I can't ask more for more than that. She said, you could have done it. I said, I don't have the skill set to get semen out of a horse, Miss Mary. And and I said, but I, I'll, I'll do that. We'll get you a specialist. Now, I'm kind of poking fun at her, but I just want to get the fuck away from her too, right? And uh, John T's trying not to laugh. And it's one of the situations where I know if I look at him, make eye contact, and he looks at me, we're going to bust out laughing together. So we're standing in this horse field, and I call in. I said, I said, 259, give me a file number. And they gave me the file number, and I took it, and I wrote it on the back of my card, and then I wrote it down in my notebook, and I gave her my card. I said, Miss Mary, this is my card. This is your file number. You can call the detectives tomorrow morning and reference the file number, and they'll have somebody assigned to your case, and, and they will get that specialist for you. And she said, well, I guess that's okay. And, and y'all, y'all get the fuck off my property. Come on, get out of here. I don't want to see y'all no more. And so we leave, and, and they, y'all, by this time, I'm, like, soaked, but pants-wise, I'm soaked sweat-wise. My vest, you know, is hot and everything. We go to leave, and we pull out, and I said, I called in. I said, 259, I'm 10-8 back in service, right? And then they immediately, uh, well, John T and I pulled over, and he's got tears in his eyes. He's laughing so hard. He said, bro, we've been dealing with her forever. It's always somebody's fucking one of her animals, and they're trespassing on her property. He says she's crazy as shit. Her family won't do anything about her, but she's not crazy enough you know, to be locked up in a mental hospital. I said, that motherfucker came out with a gun. She almost got locked up in the moor. He said, I get it. But he said, you're going to learn some of these people like this, right? And so uh, they immediately uh, called 259-3621. I go ahead. They said, you got a 12K holding at such and such, which was like 30 minutes away, uh, all the way in Coyell. Now, 12K, y'all, is a locked vehicle. And um, one of Willie's, uh, Sheriff Graves' deal was he, when you when you get your equipment, they gave you a Slim Jim. And the, most departments didn't do this anymore. You had to call Papa Locke or whoever, but Willie always saw it as a vote getter, right? You locked your keys in the car in Livingston Parish, you call a deputy. They were coming and get that car open for you. Me, I'm not mechanically inclined, all right? I have, have, I couldn't tell you the difference between a screwdriver and a hammer, much less I've never used a Slim Jim. And my brain just doesn't work like that, all right? So I said, okay, I'll be en route, and I'm turning my air conditioner blast and wide open, and I drive over. Now, the Slim Jim, y'all, is, is a long, thin piece of metal with, like, a hook on the bottom of it. But I say it's probably two inches wide, and but they painted them, genius idea, I guess, you know, brand recognition. They painted them willy blue. I, I drive the distance to the to the residence. I get out. And people come out. Hey, the lady says, hey, I like my keys in my car. And I'm like, okay, look, I said, this is my first time doing this. I said, but I'm going to try. And the, um, so I slid the Slim Jim in on the driver's side door. And I get it in past the window thing. And, and you know, something to do 
mechanically inside the door where you try to jimmy it up and down and it, it'll pop the lock. You know, I, I could see that I was hitting the lock thing. The lock was the knob thing was moving, but I couldn't get it. And it's hotter than fuck. And and it's like I don't know, seven thirty, eight o'clock in the evening. And I'm out there, and I'm just trying, 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 trying. I tried to the point, y'all, I was sweating so bad that the woolly blue paint wore off of my hands, okay? And John T. called. He said, 361. I said, go ahead. He said, you still? I mean, I've been there for like 15, 20 minutes. He said, you still on the 12K? I said, 10 He said, he said, all right, I'm going to come help you. Because I told him. I wasn't, When they gave me that call, I said, I've never done one. And he'd, he'd been doing them for years. So he ends up showing up. By this time, I'm covered in, in the blue paint on my hands. And he was like, come here, man, and, and opened up his trunk. And his shit's all neat and organized. His wife, I called her my work wife later on, Fritzy, had, like, paper towels hanging from a roll uh, on a bungee cord and thing. He said, clean your hands up and shit. And he went over to the door. He said, you He said you were doing it through the driver's side door? I said, yeah. He said, we never do it through the driver's side door because a lot of times we'll break the lock. And we don't want them to not be able to get in a car. And I said, well, and I didn't know, right? I didn't know. I didn't have a fucking class on how to unlock a car. He walks over on the passenger side, slips this thing in, and two seconds, boop, boop, pop pops the door open and guess what they went to unlock the they got the keys and they went to unlock the driver's side door and i broke it <laughs> so this is my first day y'all and then they were like my, the, the door won't open i said uh, john t said well and it may have got broken oh you it, it, um they had to sign a waiver ahead of time saying that you know if we effed it up that they wouldn't sue or whatever. And most people do that. And well, guess what? I fucked her door up. Part of it, right? So fast forward a little bit more because we're running out of time. The, and I'll end the story. Go back 10 8, and we both have other calls catching wherever. And mine, I had to go back to Springfield for something, a, a 1 or 3D domestic or whatever it was. And I handled that call. And by now, it, it's turning dark, right? And, uh, then it got dark, and I went and called another call. It's probably like 10 o'clock at night or something like that. I'm still around in the Springfield area for whatever reason. And y'all in Springfield, they have an area called the Horseshoe or, or the Settlement, uh, McCarroll Road, and that's where all the, the dope activity is. And I wasn't that far from there, and I hear Dennis Hill, who was, I think he was the chief of Springfield at the time, and I hear him. Uh, Springfield One or whatever that they call the unit. Springfield One, uh, Signal Eighteen, McCarroll Road, and now McCarroll. That road, y'all, runs back to where that really bad area is. But there, it's a light. It's dark. There's a few trailers on it. On the other end, closer to the river, there's nothing. Right, you come off the bridge. If you're coming from Tancho Parish in the Livingston Parish, it's the first road on the right just past the bridge. It kind of falls down around the river. And, and that's where he was. He said signal 18, which means traffic stop, on Louisiana plate, and he gave the license plate. He said um, at least four black males in the car. And now, you know, drug area, et cetera, and, and he gets out on them. Uh, if you're close, you're going to roll that way anyway to just give them back up in case. And I, I was kind of close, maybe 10 minutes away. And uh, I started easing that away, and he, it wasn't 10 seconds later. 
and and he said, one's running, one's running. And he said, shots fired, shots fired, shots fired. I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Now, I get to turn on my lights and sirens, right? I'm fucking hauling ass. And I said, 361's in route. And I'm hauling ass, and everybody's rolling. They 1033 the net form and everything else. And when by the time I got there, Danny was actually the supervisor was already there. I came in from the um, the Tanchero side uh, uh, of the road, and he was like, "Stop right there!" And and, and uh, he said, "I want you to park your unit right here." And he said, "You stay out on foot. Get your shotgun out. Stay out on foot." He said, "We got one that's on foot." He said, "Dennis made the signal eighteen on the on the." Uh, the car and the driver got out and he's going to go approach him. The, the driver got out and fired at him three times. Thank God he didn't hit him, but he hauled ass in the woods and Dennis went to run after him and the people, the other three males in the car sped off. Right. So we had the license plate. I was to shut down the road on this end. He said, nobody gets in unless it's detectives or whatever. And or the K nine is going to come and all that. And he said, you got to stand right here. And he said, do not sit in your car because could, he could come up on you and shoot you in your, in your unit. And I'm like, fuck. So I'm, it's hot now. Hot, hot, hot Louisiana summer night. I'm now standing on the side of the river. Of a, basically, it's a bayou. And and it's everything's still wet from the rain earlier. And look, the mosquitoes were so fucking bad. The, that was one of the lessons I learned that night, don't ever go 10, eight without off or deep. And I'm standing out there and it went on for hours. Oh, everybody comes in, they set up a perimeter. They called out the SRT team, the brought in the K nine. They're trying to do a track. What am I doing? I'm standing in the dark where, you know, basically in the woods on the edge of the bayou, leaning against a tree, getting my ass tore up by mosquitoes at, in for hours, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, they finally called it off. K-9 couldn't find, you know, the bad guy. I mean, he's in the swamp somewhere. K-9 couldn't find him. You know, uh, they finally just called it off. We didn't have a helicopter or, or thermal imaging or any of that stuff. But by this time, I was tore the fuck up. I hadn't had anything to drink. I hadn't had anything to eat. The mosquitoes, I bet you there wasn't a place on, on my body, under, unless it was underneath my bulletproof vest, that I wasn't eating up by fucking mosquitoes. And finally, they called it off, and Danny said, yeah, he said, he pulled up and he was like, hey, man, you did a good job and, and uh, I appreciate you. And sorry about, you know, you having to draw down on Miss Mary earlier and all that. And Danny was a super cool guy. And I think he's still with the sheriff's office. And uh, he would later on be a detective and then go back out on the road as supervisor again. And he looked at me, he said, man, he said, you ate the fuck up with the mosquitoes. I'm like, yeah, but I'm out here on a manhunt, right? And I'm listening in case this guy comes to sneak up. I said, you know, you said don't sit in the car. He's like, bruh. He said, you know, I could have got you some relief or something. He said, look, why don't you just go on home? He said, you got to qualify again today anyway, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, why don't you take this last hour and go on home? I'll get you covered for the night. And so I did and drove back probably 30 minutes to my apartment in Independence and 
I had like an adrenaline dump, right? And I felt like, you know, just overcome, not with emotions, but just like a wash, right? I've been high to low, low to high to high and being on that standoff and the standoff, the, um, the manhunt all evening, not knowing that the dude's going to come up behind me. And we know he shot at Dennis. And Dennis, you need to tell me whatever happened in that case because I don't remember if if, uh, if you got a warrant for the person or whatever. Um, but the I'm riding that emotional high with that roller coaster coming down off of it on my drive back to Independence. And I came to the realization that being 10-8, for the first time, I realized that I was now a part of the greatest show on earth. And the reason I didn't become a lawyer, because I don't want to sit behind the same desk every day and push papers and, and do the same thing over and over again, like I kind of ended up doing uh, in my years with state police. It sitting behind the desk, I hated that. I was part of the greatest show on earth, and you never knew what you were going to get from one minute to the next, right? So anyway, old school story. Thought I would tell you all that. I was thinking about it. I was like, what's the old school? I could tell them, try to give them a taste of what it's like to actually work uniform patrol. You know? And so, but... The next day, I did go back and I qualified. And I shot like a one nineteen out of one twenty, you know, uh, on the range and and all that. And the rest is history. Here I am, all these years later. But it, y'all, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know it's a little bit different, and um, appreciate you listening, liking, sharing. If you get a chance, go leave leave me a review on iTunes. It helps the show. We've been consistently ranked and at the top of the charts for like three weeks now. Um. Oh, I'm gonna talk about Miss Barbara Blunt. Miss Barbara Blunt, y'all, anniversary was um was Tuesday, oh, a week ago today when you're getting this episode, and it's 15 years, y'all, and and uh, I've been remiss. I, I hadn't. It's not that I hadn't been working and I hadn't been getting tips and stuff because we have, and as recently as as. A couple months ago, we even, uh, well, I didn't go with them, but one of the tips y'all called in about where Miss Barber's body may be, the sheriff and them went out with cadaver dogs and, and all that, and, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't meant to be. But we want to kick it off to a new level. There's new information in the case, and I can't say what it is, but I need y'all to call in your tips. And we set up a new tip line for a life or a crime. It's 313-757-2847, okay? Or 313-RLRC-TIP. Y'all, there's no such thing as a perfect crime, certainly not a murder, and they took Miss Barbara. I, yes, we don't have the her body, but I'm telling you, she's been murdered. She was abducted and murdered, and I'm not going to tell you uh, the reasons that I think at this point, but the somebody knows something. Her body did not disappear. She wasn't murdered without somebody doing it to her. And they, or well, 
whomever had to take her body from point A to point B, okay? And they had to do something with it. Somebody knows something. What if it was your mama, your grandmother, your daughter, your family member? You've heard something. And, and thank you so much for everybody that calls in your tips and everything. You can remain anonymous. And I don't have to tell Sheriff Arden them who called it in. I, I'll take it to my grave. Or uh, you don't say your name when you call it in. Or, they, yeah, listen, no tip is unimportant. Every one of them is important, and um, we need them. And yours might be the one little thing that gives us that probable cause or proves it beyond a reasonable doubt. Bad guys or girls are coming for you. And Sheriff R released a statement uh, last Tuesday about the, having new information and and all that. Y'all, you can never have too much information. Keep calling it in. Let's bring Miss Barbara Blunt home to her family. Very, very important, right? It's the only, and it's, it wasn't my case. I I wasn't there when it happened, but it's to this date, knock on wood, it's the only homicide that I've actively worked on. Um and pursued and used y'all to do that I haven't solved. Okay? Let's bring her home. Call the tip line. Um, Real Life Real Crime Daily, such a success, y'all. Y'all loving it so much. We've been doing three drops a week. Now we're going to four starting this week. So every day, or five days a week, you're getting Real Life Real Crime. Four Real Life Real Crime Daily shows, one real, original real life real crime, which is what you're listening to now. So I hope you enjoy it. Patrons, convicts, subscribers, thank you so much. You help make the, the show run. Um, if we owe you something, hit us up. Uh, otherwise, I hope you're enjoying your perks and you look for your next bonus episode soon. And the real life real crime community app, go download it for free. I have so many different social media pages, y'all, and I can't keep up with all the onslaught of messages. And but I check the real life real crime community app first every day, and I answer everybody there first. And then if I have time, I answer like the crew page is over forty thousand members now on the Facebook. That's that's one out of like eight that I have. And so, if you'll help me. If you have a case, and I'm getting like 30 a day now since Dateline, if you have a case that you want me to look at or whatever, email me, woody at realliferealcrime.com. You need to give me as much information as you can. I don't have time to go research every one of these cases, y'all. If, if you have the whole case file, give me the whole case file. I'll read it. If I'm, I, I can't promise I'm going to work it, but I will. You know, I can maybe give you some advice on it or whatever. And I am going to be working some of these, but you get the, you just can't send it to one of my social media pages and think that I'm going to get it or send it. Have you ever heard about the case of so and so? And I'm like, no, not all omnipresent and shit on on every murder that ever happened in the history of the world. You got to give me information, people. But email it to me, and I'll look at it. Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. You know it's my jam. All you new lifers. Um, become a hero. You don't have to be from Louisiana. 
to sign up to be an organ donor, go to lopa.org. You could be from Belize, right? And and you want to be an organ donor, go to lopa.org. Take two minutes, fill it out, sign it up, be a hero, give the gift of life. Y'all go check out um, Shane McBride and Missy Jules Facebook not Facebook, uh, YouTube channel where they're talking about Lopa every week. I'm a, I'm a guest on one of those episodes. Go check it out. Yeah, be a hero. Give the gift of everything, right? And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you're running so mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.